Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everyone, I'm Brenda. And I'm Julia. And you're listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Your 20s are known as both the most exciting and most confusing years of your life. We're here to share our stories, to have real and raw conversations, and best of all, to make you feel a little less alone. This podcast was brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roaring 20s Podcast. Today we have on with us Allie Williams. Allie is a money coach and the founder of Financially Focused. <laughs> so cute. Her Financially Focused framework helps women transform their money mindset and develop a flexible plan to spend, save, and pay off debt all at the same time. We have so many questions about finances. Allie, thank you so much for being here. We are very dumb in this topic and we really need your help. And so do many other 20s women. So we're so happy to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. And I agree. It's such a top. It's like such a taboo topic that people don't want to talk about. But once you do, you realize how many other people are like in similar situations or have similar questions. And it just kind of needs to like get out there. (laughs) So true. We were like just talking about that before. Like there, I feel like there's so much shame around money and how much you have in your savings and how much you're spending. And like no one really gets like, I feel like getting honest about your finances with people is like super scary. Yeah. And especially because there's like post-grad, especially there's, there's not enough education before. And then after there's these expectations of what you think it might be like, and then it might not be, or it's the total opposite. So there's just so many things up in the air. And I think people are going to find so much value in, in the information and knowledge that you're going to share with us. (laughs) (laughs) No, totally. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like you said, I think it's not taught really at all. Like it's not taught formally, like it's not Mm -hmm. required to learn about and it's really like what you hear from friends or family or what you do your own research on and especially being like in your 20s you're like oh I have plenty of time to like figure it out and then you realize like you don't or if you figured it out earlier you're set up it just makes it so much less stressful and especially as women too I feel like there's different societal expectations and things on what you should and shouldn't be doing so I mean there's a lot to unpack yeah (laughs) like a whole separate episode too like I would love to do a whole episode so just on that, that would be yeah. it. But before we get into all of our questions, because we have so many, Allie, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you, who you are, where you're from, and how old you are. Yeah, so I'm Allie Williams. I'm 28. I had to think about that. I'm like, how old <laughs> <We all> do? <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm getting so old. So I'm 28. I was born and raised in New York, and now I live in South Carolina. So big shift, but I love it down here. And I went to school down here, and I've been down here pretty much since. So that's like the the basics. I started my company a few years ago, like you said, financially focused, spelled like A-L-L-I at the end instead of Y, like my name. And then I made the shift to coaching last year and I coach people one-on-one for like money topics and things they're struggling with. And I also have a group program, a 12-week group program that goes through like specific modules and different things like that to kind of help build the foundation and like get everything all set up. We need it. We need it all. So, so cool. And what exactly led you to creating this company? Like where, where did this all begin for you? Yeah, so I started as a blog in um, 2017. And it was really just me sharing like what I learned and things I was doing because 
I felt like it wasn't a topic that was really like shared about often. And I've been interested in it. I was like self-taught on personal finance. Like, I don't know why I decided it was like something I was interested in. I think I realized like I didn't want to work until I was 65 or feel like I had to. And I was like, okay, well, like there has to be another way. And there has to be a way that I can kind of figure things out that like I can still do everything I want but like be saving and setting myself up so I'm not like super stressed when I'm like older. So that's kind of how I got into it. And then one of my friends was like, you should start a blog. And I was like, sure. (laughs) That's awesome. It's so important. And we were saying that we think it's so cool that part of what you do is I think there's a stigma of, oh, well, I have to save money or I have to budget. That means I can't have fun at all. And I think it's awesome that you're saying that you can do everything. You could do everything. You just have to plan and be smart about it. Right. I mean, that's what I always... I mean, that's what I do personally. And that's what I always tell my clients. I don't believe in like depriving yourself. Like I still have season football tickets. My husband and I still go on date night every single week. We still spend money on the things that we care about. Of course, there's times where maybe we don't spend as much or like look into things, but I don't feel deprived at all. Yeah, we still, we paid for our wedding, paid for our honeymoon. He's back in school or cash in school. We have a down payment saved for our house. Like we're doing everything that we wanted to do while still spending like neither of us feel like the other week he needed a computer and we ended up getting a two thousand dollar computer because we're like might as well like get one that's gonna last and it didn't stress us out being able to spend that so and the thing is we don't it's not like we make half a million dollars because a lot of people whenever I share like oh like this is what we did they're like oh you must be like right like six figures and we make six figures together but right. not as individual. Right. So it's not like our salaries are something crazy where it's like we each make half a million so like right. yeah this is really easy like oh no, we're like average normal like, people. like if we can do this everyone else can it's just getting those tools and like foundation set up that gives me so much hope hope you don't yeah. even like that just like I think like brought me down a little. Good. Yeah. I'm so stressed. Yeah. I'm stressed about this all the time. So So I really, yeah, let's, let's start there. Let's start a little bit about the saving, uh, saving slash spending balance of like living your life, but still wanting to save for whatever that may be. Allie, do you have any like tangible kind of first tips of how we can start saving a little bit in our 20s while not completely restricting our lives? Right. So I think what's important is to first realize what is important to you. So pick those few things that like you care about. Is it like happy hour, you know, pre-COVID, like with your friends or whatever? (laughs) Or like, what is it? Like if there's something that you cut from your life, you would be upset about. Like, of course you can't have everything. And I'm not saying going out with your friends and spending $300 every night is like a smart idea but if you could if that's what's important to you is like the socialization and like being with your friends then keep it like you don't have to cut it you just have to maybe if normally you spend a hundred dollars can you cut it even 75 like the small adjustments add up and people think it has to be these like big changes to start and the thing is if you do these big changes right away you're never gonna stick to it Mm -hmm. like you're gonna do it for a month and then you're gonna go all out like the next month and what I always say even for savings is like start anywhere like can you save $25 from your paycheck and just put it into an account like 
it doesn't have to start with hundreds of dollars because you want to build that habit. And once that habit's there, it's going to be so much easier to increase that from 25 to 50 to a hundred. So like every time you get a raise, instead of increasing your lifestyle, you increase your savings or you get a bonus or a tax refund and you split that between like spending and saving. So you need to get that habit in place first and then focus on the amount later because once that habit's there, it's easy to change the amount. It's just, if you start with, okay, I'm going to there's this month, like you're going to do it once and you're never going to do it again because you're going to be like so stressed. Oh, that makes such a good. Yeah, it's that makes so, so much sense. I'm actually I've read the book Atomic Habits. I don't know if you've read that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, so it talks about like habit stacking and exactly something like that, like associate a habit that you already do and just add another one onto that. Mm-hmm, that right. you know, one that you that you already do to something that you don't to create that habit and link that behavior to be more automatic. And it's what you said is so it makes so, so much sense to me because I have like this one one savings account that $25 like comes out of my, I don't even notice it. Like I don't even notice that leaving, but however, if I'm like, okay, I'm going to, you know, put $500 in that, that feels so much more painful because I have to do it. And it's also not automatic. Right. So, Oh my God, this is so interesting. I always tell like, if you're going to free up, like say you pay off a student loan or something or whatever, like if you're freeing up money or say you reduce an expense, like, can you take, say you reduce your expenses by $50 a month? Can you even if you don't want to save 50 of that, can you put 25 of that to savings and put 25 to like spending? Like it's just making those small adjustments or maybe you put that money to the next debt so that you're like continuing to like, you know, roll into something else. But it's just like you said, building those small habits and changes and that's going to make it so much easier down the line and starting as soon as you can with those, you know, there's people who don't start that till they're in their forties, but like, if you can do this in your twenties, that adds up so much. That little amount will add up insane amount, you know, when you're, yeah. And like Brenda says, if you, you encourage start small, you're not going to notice it as much right mm-hmm. away. It's not going to take a big hit to your social life or, you know, whatever it is that you like spending on. It's just going to be small, but they do add up and it's building, it's about building the habit. And I think, exactly. I think shifting our mindset to that is better because I feel like people are like, well, I'm what it's $25. I'm not saving that much. It's going to take forever to add up. But if you're thinking about it, not of I'm saving all this money, you're thinking about it of I'm building these habits for myself. It's like a little easier to want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also off of that, you like, instead of I, I, I sometimes, and maybe this is naive, look at it as a sacrifice right now where I really could shift it as a investment towards in the future, you know, for my yeah, future yeah. self. And it's really hard to think about it that mm, way in the it moment, hard, yeah. but it, it is what comes up automatically. And kind of speaking of savings, is there like, what's your best approach to saving monies in your 20s, saving money, yeah. saving money in your 20s? Like in accounts wise. Yeah. I'm like, very confused about saving accounts. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, right now with like how the economy is going, the interest rates aren't as great, but high yield savings accounts, you that's where your money should be. For example, like I use Ally Bank. There's a ton of them. I just like them. So how I view saving is from like a general stance is like you don't want it to be linked all of your money to be linked to your checking account because it is so easy to transfer out yeah so easy to transfer out because you don't really like care. not that you don't care but if you're not really like attached to it because when you log into your bank account like i when i log into my checking account or whatever like you see your checking and savings it takes one button to transfer out of savings mm-hmm. and you're not you're not really using it as a savings account you're kind of using it as like an extra checking account right. you know like backup money seriously yeah Right. 
So you want to keep your funds that you're really trying to save and not touch separate so that you don't check it every day. You're not looking at it. Like, like you said, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind, even with that automatic transfer. So like I keep my emergency fund and all that separate. Like I don't check it every day. I know it's there if I need it, obviously, but I'm not like looking at it where I can transfer it out. And then from like a general savings kind of how I structure mine and how I have my client structures. You'll have an emergency fund, which is like, you're like, do not touch. Like some people view it as like, like how I view it is like, I've never touched my emergency fund. Like I have things in place where I'd have to get to a certain point to really start pulling from that. Mm -hmm. But start with anything, even if you think like, okay, I have 500, like I can save $500 in it. Like you don't have to think, you know, I need to save $10,000 in my emergency fund. But even if you can get to 500 or, you know, the goal, the end goal, what I tell my clients is to get even like one month of expenses, Mm -hmm. get one month of expenses in a savings account and just like leave it or at least like your rent or like the court. It's not like Netflix and all those things, but like food and like shelter. Mm -hmm. Because even with situations like this, that's where so many people struggled because they didn't have that. So like if you could take that burden off where you have one month, and if that sounds like insane, start anywhere, like $500, $200, I don't care. Like we said, it's kind of like building that habit. Yeah. And then once you can do that, then you want to start saving for specific goals. I don't have any like general savings because like I said, when you're not attached to a goal, you're going to take it out. So like label your savings accounts, like label what you're saving for. So So like have separate saving accounts for separate goals. Yeah. I mean, so for example, an ally, they have this feature called buckets. And so within one savings account, you can have 10 like goals within it. So it's really only one account. So you only have one account, but there's like 10, you can label 10 things and allocate money to those specific things. So that's what I use and what I have like my clients use. They don't have to. I wish I was sponsored by them, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> but they, I love them. Or you can manually track it. You could have it in one account and have an Excel file with your goals and like how much within that one account is going to each goal. You don't need to have like 10 accounts. You can right. if you want. The only reason I say don't do that is because you get interest on your savings account. So if you have all your money in one account, you're going to get interest on like that total amount. And if you split it out, it's going to like, you know, you're going to get less money, but you want to save for specific goals because you're less likely to take it. Cause then mentally, you know, you're taking from that goal. So like, you know, you were saying like investment in your future type of thing. So like if you labeled your savings account, like down payment, every time you pull from that, you're going to be like, like still pulling from, you know, like it kind of hurts a little bit from your down payment for me. As more of a meaning, more of a person right. than just money. Right, exactly. Because like savings is so general where you're not really attached. And you can still save like I have savings like sinking funds, like funds for like repairs I have for travel. You know, you can still save for the things that you care about. It's just right. labeling it. And then when you pull out of savings, you know exactly what cause mm-hmm. or fund you're pulling from. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like a general account. Like, oh, I'm pulling from savings. Oh no, I'm pulling from my travel fund or I'm pulling from my house down payment. Or for me, I saved for my wedding before I was engaged. So mm-hmm. like I saved... Because I knew, like, I'd have to pay for my wedding, which is totally fine. But I knew that the wedding I wanted, like, couldn't have been saved for in a year. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. That's so Um, important. And, Allie, can anyone sign up for, like, that bank that you – I've never heard of it before. Anybody could sign up? It's an online bank. I mean, like I said, there's a ton of banks. Yeah, there's no – it doesn't go against your credit score. There's nothing – there's no risk associated. With that bank and a lot of banks now, like, there's no – 
monthly fees or minimums. Like you could have a dollar in there if you wanted. You could have 25 cents in there. Like there's I no- love the idea of labeling. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have to either manually or in an account because like I said, it just makes you like realize one, you can track what you're actually saving for and how close you're getting to that goal. And two, if you're pulling from it, you know, you're pulling from something specific. So even if it's your even if it's a clothing fund or, you know, like whatever you want to save for, that doesn't matter, but it just makes it harder to like take the money back out. Yeah. No, I think that that's the biggest thing for, I think a lot of people struggle with accountability of account, like the accountability of actually putting the money in the savings and the accountability of not pulling it out when you just want to do whatever. So when you can physically see, okay, this is for that trip I really want to take. This is for that apartment I really want to buy. When you can physically see that, I feel like it makes you so much more accountable to be like, I'm not just putting this in a general savings. I'm putting this in for that trip that I've been dying to take for four years. And when you take it out, you're like, well, that's making me further away from being able to go on that trip. Then it makes you question like, did I really need this? And of course there's things that come up, but like having it for a goal makes it so much harder when you're like, oh, I wanted to buy that on Amazon or there's a sale and you're like Mm -hmm. taking from things. And then you realize like, no, I do want to go, like you said, a trip or a down payment or you're safe for your wedding or even safe for anything, like you're taking it from those future goals and it makes it a little bit more difficult to like actually use it. That makes so much sense, guys. I'm 100% doing this just so you know. I'll probably spend this weekend doing this because (laughs) I'm like, I'm going to be so much less likely to to hit order on Uber Eats if I'm pulling from my future home or something (laughs) or like podcast neon sign right like a hundred percent it's wow and it adds up like all those little things add up and you think like you know the same way you think 25 dollars isn't a lot to save but it's like you spend 25 dollars on takeout like right times a week it's like if you even cut one of those like not saying you can't ever eat out because like obviously I do but like even if you could reduce it by $25 a month or even like $40 a month and put that to savings like there's so many little things that we spend on that we don't think about and one thing I always have clients do is like track their spending for a month and just see what you're spending on because you don't realize or you maybe you realize it, but you like the little amazon purchases the like you know drive for like for us like drive through like chick-fil-a or whatever like yeah. when i go times a week or you the know dollar like, coffee that adds yeah. up when you have it seven times a week exactly like it adds up so everyone's like i don't have any money and it's like you do have money you just don't know where it's going and you can cut little things like that i'm not asking people to say like don't ever eat out or don't hang out with your friends or like still make all this progress. It's just being aware. Really. I think awareness is the first step is like, what are you spending on? Can you reduce it at all? You know, can you get these habits in place to reach these goals? Cause it's possible. Like if I can do this at now 28, I promise everyone can, like, I'm not special. You know, people will be like, how do you like, I didn't do anything special to figure this out. It's just getting those habits in place and sticking to it really. I'm like so inspired. I really am. I think this weighs on people so much. And you know what's interesting that that you said that sparked in my head is we eventually, if you take a step as with any goal, if you have this end goal, like you'll eventually get there, right? For whatever it may be. So it's interesting that in terms of saving, we're like, oh, well, if I save $25 a month, like that's nothing. Meanwhile, if you save for a full year, still something, it's more than zero. But when it comes to spending that, we're like, ah, it's just $25. It's fine. Right. Like, there's some sort of disassociation (laughs) that happens to our brain. I spent $25 on, like, nothing. Like, I spent that, like, 
Like it literally like I'll order pizza or do something and I'm like, cool delivery. Don't even want to pick it up. Like oh. delivery charge pizza. What? There's $25 right there. Like mm-hmm. we're doing nothing. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. But I love, I, I just love the goal setting and the being clear on that and just being aware. I think that that is like totally the biggest thing because yeah. then we can really start, really start to just be a little more in tune. And like you said, Allie, it's not about not ever ordering out, but it's about like, okay, I'm going to order out today. And that's coming out of my travel fund. Is this, is this order out really worth it today? Yeah. And some days it's going to be yes. And then some days it might be no. And like for us, like in our budget, we have budgeted for eating out. I'm not saying you have a budget, like you can have it so that every month, like it's just an expense for it. Like it's just in our monthly budget is to eat out. And like, that's totally fine. Like the things that you care about, can still in your budget. And for me, when I budget or like help clients budget is it's really creating a plan that you'll actually stick to. Because what I always tell people is like creating a budget isn't hard, like filling out a spreadsheet or filling out a paper document or anything like the hard part. What's hard is actually sticking to it. And for no one actually sticks to it 100% of the time, but you want to have the things in there that actually reflect what you're going to spend money on because it doesn't make sense to create a budget and cut everything and then go like eat out four days a week. And then you're like, wait, like my budget didn't work. Like, yeah, because you weren't even honest with yourself to like include that into your budget. Yeah. So oh. yeah. Can you get a little more detailed on that, Allie? Like where someone, someone who wants to start creating a budget, how do you even start doing that for yourself? So creating a budget, like I said before, the biggest thing is first, what I always have people do is like track your expenses for a month to see where you're actually spending money. Because like I said, you want your budget to actually reflect your life. I mean, you might have to cut some things if you notice like, okay, I eat out and spend $500 a month, you know, eating out, like maybe we try to reduce that to like, 300 or something. And I never, you know, if going out with your friends is important, like I said, I never recommend cutting that. It's just, can you reduce it at all? Because if you can free up even $100 a month, like you can do so much with that. It can be an extra debt payment. It can go to savings. So first track your expenses and then plug in, you know, like your income for the month and then subtract like your monthly expenses. I always do, I budget per paycheck and that's what I have like my clients do because a monthly budget is great, but it's like seeing your month over like in a, you know, an overview, like it's hard to really like connect with how much you're actually spending. So I like to relate it to like each paycheck. So I know these bills are coming out of this specific paycheck. And like, this is how much I have to spend on food for this paycheck, you know, for us gas or like eating out, whatever it's like paycheck based. And then you can also from there see if all your bills hit like a certain paycheck, like some people will come to me and be like, I struggle the first half of the month. The first half of the month is always, you know, and then I have a ton of money the second half of the month. Like, well, maybe all your bills are really hitting before the 15th or whenever you get paid. And like, that's something that you weren't aware of is like everything's hitting in the beginning. Yeah. So budgeting per paycheck kind of helps you see where your money's going, what times of the month, like, you know, is there a certain paycheck that's like really heavy for bills? Like your rents do this day. So like that takes, you know, most of one paycheck. So it kind of helps you see like wh- what you can spend on. So you don't get behind and put it on a credit card and then you're trying to pay it off and you know, totally. the cycle. Yeah. That makes so much sense. It really does. And I feel like with budgeting, it can feel a little bit scary just because I don't know. I think once you like do one thing that feels off or like you didn't stick to it, then there's like the whole shame and all that stuff. But how often, so I know you said you do it for every paycheck. Like when do you have a specific day that you create the budget or like, how does that kind of work for you? So I have like a template. And so for me, like budgeting now takes like five minutes. Like I don't Mm -hmm. spend a lot of time on it. 
So for us, for like my budget, it takes, like I said, like five minutes because I have a template and I literally, like my expenses don't really change month to month. I do track annual expenses and things like that. So I can see like, okay, or I'll, I have like a year overview tracker too. So I'll plug in like if there's a wedding a certain month or I have like a certain bill. So I know like this mm. is an un, not unexpected, but this isn't a every month expense and that needs to be added in. So mm. I like to see those so I don't have like surprises. And the thing with like the budget per paycheck, which helps a lot too, is like if you, you know, overspend the first half of the month, you know that so you yeah. can like uh, make adjustments for, so that the staff is bad versus if you do like a monthly budget a lot of people will check it at the beginning at the end of the month and then they're like I went really over but like by budgeting per paycheck it allows you to check in a little more often so that you can make adjustments so you're not like feeling as guilty or like shame around it mm-hmm. and what I always tell people is like you're gonna have months that just suck like that's yeah. going to happen. come up <laughs> but what's important is like how you of those and how you for the next month so like you can sit here and be like this month sucked like everything went bad we can't change it so like what are things we're going to put in place for the next month to like not run into the same situation yeah absolutely and i i think what you said earlier about being honest with yourself is so important and because like things do come up like oh you might have a wedding that month you might have four birthday parties you have to go to in that month so being a little prepared of okay i know that in august i have four of my friends birthdays i'm gonna have to buy gifts. So just being honest about that and preparing for it so that it's not a surprise. And then at the end of the paycheck or the end of the month, you're like, what the heck happened? Yeah, definitely. That makes so much sense. And I, I me and Julia were exactly. just talking. I'm like, I'm a big gift girl. So I really, <laughs> I really struggle in that department of not overspending. So I feel like even if I gave myself like a budget of this is how much you can spend on this person and this person, it would be really helpful. <laughs> so just because we already have so yeah, much to talk absolutely. to, um, paying off debt. Holy crap. So important. Um, Something that comes up so much in our 20s. A lot of people in their 20s have student loans, myself included. So what are some beginning steps that we can kind of take to make paying off debt easier? Because honestly, even for myself, like my, the amount that I graduated with in debt, like because of the interest continues to be the same. (laughs) So yeah. And I think so many people don't realize that like, they think depending on what type of loan you have too, it accumulated it could have accumulated interest while you were even in school not even yeah. just after <gasps> depending on like what type of loan even for us my husband had six figures of student loan debt and so that's what i you know married into <laughs> um and last year we paid thirty six thousand dollars of debt wow um, which like sounds insane but it is doable and like i said like, we don't we have like average salaries, like I mean, above average, you know, depending on what area, but it's not like we make millions where it's like super easy, like it took it takes work. But I think the biggest thing with debt in general is first understanding like how much you really have so many people are scared to like total it because they don't want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'll be like, I have student loans, it's around this amount. So like, I'm just gonna leave it. But first, actually write down, you know, what it is, how much and the interest rate, interest rates are like credit card debt, which we had two credit cards. I mean, the interest rates are insane on credit cards, like 19%, 20%. It's crazy. So like those I always say to tackle first, mm-hmm. but those interest rates are insane. Student loans, like right now, for example, if you have federal student loans, like there's no interest for the rest of the year. So yeah. like if you can tackle those and get some of the accrued interest paid and all that, like now's the time to do it. Some people view it the opposite. And they're like, oh, I don't have to pay my students. But if you can put anything extra to it right now, 
it's like you know there's no interest so why not tackle it yeah and yeah loans like do you recommend you mentioned the whole federal thing like for people that have private loans like is consolidation your best bet or is it better to keep them separate yeah because I feel like there's a lot of things that we don't know before like going into the loan yeah totally so with my husband's we had private and federal I would say normally consolidating is a good option right now I wouldn't because of the federal loans like I'd want them to stay separate while zero percent interest you consolidate you're consolidating to a private loan and you're gonna lose that so once you consolidate everything together it's to like a private company so you'll lose any federal benefit another thing to think of too is if you are on like depending on your job or whatever if you're on like an income-based repayment plan or if you're on like public you know like loan forgiveness or if you're in deferment like all of that will go away once you consolidate because you're consolidating to a private company so any like federal benefits that you had are gone which is okay for a lot of people but it's just something to think about when you do consolidate it just depends on the interest rates too and like what kind of benefits you can get if you can pay off certain loans first and then consolidate you can do stuff like that to kind of like help you out interest wise you know it really like depends on the person but i know a lot of people consolidate and that was the better option for them right now they're probably like wishing they didn't just because of the federal being zero percent right now and they still have to make payments on theirs um but it is a good option you know what people need to remember is like consolidating doesn't get rid of any of your debt it might help you like lower interest rate and maybe pay less interest over time but like you still owe it so (laughs) it's not magically going anywhere (laughs) it's so helpful yeah that paying off loans is really hard and I know so many people that have so much in student loan debt and it can feel overwhelming of like well how am I supposed to save or like live my life when I have to like pay off all of this debt and we don't and what Brenda said is like we don't before going into these loans like we know so little we're not really educated on what it's going to mean for us down the line so I know a lot of people can feel really overwhelmed by that totally and like breaking it down is important like I always tell clients like for us for example we had a hundred and fifty four thousand dollars of debt and so that obviously sounds insane like how would you ever pay that so setting like smaller goals like for our student loans you know there was like a million of them because like within one company you might have like 10 loans and so it's like okay can we pay off two thousand can i focus on just that and then once that's gone like okay can we pay the next one that's just maybe three thousand like it you don't have to try to view it as my total debt because it it is overwhelming and like it's gonna take years like you know we don't have enough money to pay that off in like a few months like it's not possible it's more than we make our full gross salaries combined (laughs) so like not gonna happen in four months month or even a year or anything but ignoring it also isn't going to make it go away and so it's really breaking it down into those smaller more like manageable goals and what I always tell people is if you say you're putting $400 to your student loans and then you pay off a loan still pay 400 don't decrease the amount now you're paying because now you're just going to pay more so keep the money you're putting to debt to debt and until all that debt's paid you're like oh cool i got more money but if you view it as like no i'm gonna leave them the same and still put that towards debt like that little extra does add up and helps yeah that's a really great tip i think that a lot of people really needed to hear that and are definitely gonna use that i want to shift gears a little bit ali because i do want to talk about credit 
because I feel like credit is very confusing. So should we be using credit cards, number one? And how do we find what the best credit cards are for ourselves? There's so many out there. They all have different benefits and some have fees and some don't. So what's your kind of tips for that? Yeah, so my view on credit cards, like I personally use credit cards. I use credit cards for everything. I think there's a ton of benefits. I never struggled with credit card debt personally, but like, for example, like my husband did. So for him, it took time to like get used to credit cards again, because for him, we didn't have the same mindset. So it totally depends on your mindset around credit cards. I don't think they're for everyone. If you're going to use it as like money, like you you have this money, then like you shouldn't use a credit card. But if you understand get rewards from it and you pay it off in full and all of that, then like they're great tools. So it just kind of depends. I think it's great. I don't like using cash personally. Um, I never carry cash. Some people only use cash, but I don't even, I only have cash if someone like owes me money and hands it <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. I never have cash. <laughs> and like you said, there are a ton of credit cards. It depends on what you want out of it. So for like, do you want a travel card? Like that's going to help you with travel rewards. Do you want a cash back card? I don't think to start you need one with annual fees. There's a ton of ones without annual fees. I have two cards with a fee and then two without. So it just kind of depends on like what you want. There are some good cards without fees or low fees. But with credit cards, it's the most important thing to remember is it's not money, your available balance, you don't have anything like you. (laughs) It's just a tool. So like if you're spending, make sure you have that money in your account that you can pay it off. And I don't recommend closing credit cards unless you really struggle with them because it will affect your credit score to close them because it will the things with credit scores is like the length of credit history. Mm. So if you close like an old card, it's going to shorten like the length of your credit history. So it's going to decrease your credit score. And so that's just a random credit card tip. Amazing. It, I, and I love what you said about you don't have the money. Like it's not mm-hmm. extra money. You have to have that money and it's just a tool. I think viewing it as a tool cool. is like really, yeah. really awesome. Right. And you don't need like eight. Like I, you know, a lot of people give into the store credit cards and like all this and give into like, you can get a 15% discount and like, don't ever do any store. Don't do store credit cards. There's so many better ones like, you know, that will like serve you overall than store cards for the like discount. (laughs) So I have four. I think that's probably the most I'll have. One is from when I was in college. And so I don't really use it much, but I want it to stay open because it's my oldest card but like they'll approve you for crazy amounts and so it's like you really need to understand like you don't have this money like one of my cards the limit is like twenty four thousand dollars oh my god and i've never been anywhere near it thankfully thank god (laughs) yeah because remembering it's a tool it's not new money it's not free money that you got and i think a lot of people think about it that way for sure So Allie, if you have bad credit, what are some of the first steps to getting out of it? Yeah. So first you need to know what your credit score is at. Um, There's a lot of free ways to look it up. The one from like the government is like, I think it's annualcreditreport.com. And because of COVID, they're actually letting you check from the three credit bureaus weekly. Usually you can request your report from each of the bureaus once a year, but with everything, they're letting people check it more often. So that's like a free resource. You can get the your credit report, make sure there's no, you know, like marks on there that shouldn't be. You can also use websites like I use Credit Karma, which is free to check your credit score and just see like 
recommendations on, you know, what they think you should increase or, you know, things you can do. Usually a lot of credit card companies now have like your FICO score and different things like on your bill so you can see it. The biggest things with credit scores is one, like making your payments on time. Like that's the number one thing. Like if you miss a payment and you're like 30 days late or anything like that, like it's going to ding your credit score. Say you missed a credit card payment and you were 15 days late. You can ask your credit card company, like, have you submitted this yet to the, like, the bureaus to make see if they haven't or if they can like remove that mark so there are ways to like fix it the next is like credit utilization is the next important one so that's going to be like why for example i like having really high available balances on my credit card because if i spend I don't know, $200 and I have 24,000 available. It's a really low credit utilization. But if I have spent $200 and my credit limit is a thousand, that's a really high credit utilization. So having additional available credit isn't bad. Like you said, if you know it's a tool and like you're using it correctly. So I ask for increases on my credit cards like once a year, pretty much to just help me out. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I've never been anywhere close to my maxing out these cards, <laughs> but that does help. You want your credit utilization definitely under 30, ideally under 10% is kind of like what they go by. So those are, I don't believe in like the credit repair companies that like tell you like pay us and we'll fix your credit because you can do all this stuff on your own. <laughs> yeah. That's such good advice. Yeah, it's, a, it's, I know a lot of people who have gotten in trouble earlier on and then feel like so stuck of like, I'm never going to get out of this. But like you said, it's like one step at a time. And the same with like paying off your debts, like one step at a time, you're going to get there. It's just not going to be overnight. And I think realizing that is a big tool for people as well of like, okay, you might not be super happy with where you are right now. Right. It might not happen overnight, but if you start building these habits, again, back to the habits, you're going to get there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So being in our 20s, it's such a weird time. Everybody is in a different place. I feel like some people are like super set and some people are like totally in debt. So there's no timeline and no shame around anything. But what's the what's the best way to start? One, to like get rid of a little bit of that shame around that we're all in this different position in our 20s. And then to start really building for our future without comparing ourselves to like everybody around us? You know what I'm saying? It's a big question. Yeah. Oh, I think, like I said before, a lot of us struggle with the same type of either guilt or shame. It's just we don't talk about it. Like whether you have debt or not, there's going to be something you're not obsessed with financially or feel like you should be doing better. Mm -hmm. I think the more we talk about it and just be open about it with like friends stuff, less awkward these conversations come. But like, you know, as I started my coaching, like I share, you know, on Instagram, like our personal journey, like I'll share how much debt we paid off. And like, the more I share about things I do and struggle with, the more people are open and like gosh, like I feel that way too. I have like my husband's friends, like guys, come up to me and be like, "Wait, can you look at my bank account? Like, I don't know what yeah. I'm doing." You know, like I become the yeah. person that they just like share things with because I'm so open. Yeah, and like I'll share anything. Like you know, it's so much shame around or like not even sharing salaries. It's like, oh my gosh, don't find out what you know. Don't tell anyone what you make, or if you make too much, don't tell anyone, or you don't make enough. You know, like there's so many bubbles we need to like get ourselves out of in general to help everyone. Like, why don't we tell friends what we make? Like, why don't we share? Like, hey, like I'm paying off student loan debt, so like I can't spend a hundred dollars 
$50 tonight. I can spend like 40 or like, can we order in because I'm trying to save? Like, why don't we say that? Yeah. We tell our friends like, you know, about intimate details about our sex life or our emotional life, but we're so scared to open up about our finances. Yeah. It's crazy. It is really crazy. But I just like you said, and that's what we do here on this podcast is we try to allow our vulnerability to breed more vulnerability and connection. And we really think this episode is going to do just that. Yeah. Um, so Allie, to respect your time, because we've been throwing all this a stuff million questions. we'll just have a few more questions. So when should we start sharing accounts with a partner? So like, should couples have both a joint account and a separate account? What's your opinion on that? So for us, we started sharing when we got married is when I like added like made joint accounts. I think it's so much easier married because like I manage our finances and I can just have everything out of one account instead of being like, you pay this, I pay this, who's supposed to pay? Like, it's just so much easier. And I don't think you should have shared accounts before personally, or at least not before you're like engaged. I mean, some people might disagree, but like it's going to make it a lot more difficult if something yeah. happens Yeah. Um, to separate it back out. But married... I have like no worries. For example, like he came in with a ton of debt. Like what am I going to take from him? Like debt? Like I'm not worried about it. (laughs) And like, especially being in our twenties, I'm not rich. I don't need a, if you're really rich, get a prenup. You know, like if you're worried about someone stealing your money, then like get a prenup. You know, there's other ways to save. I didn't have anything. I wasn't really risking much, you know, either obviously was he. So it's not like I was worried like, oh, I'm coming in with, you know, $200,000 and you're coming in with zero. You know, how are we going to manage this? The one thing I do, which I always tell people is so helpful is we have separate like spending accounts. So each month we get pretty much an allowance that we can spend however we want. No questions asked. I have zero idea what he spends it on. I don't care. It's in our budget. He can do whatever. So we still have like freedom each month to spend on things so that we don't have to check in for like the little stupid expenses. Yeah. It's not much since we're paying off debt, but and like it will increase over time. But it gives us it gives us both our freedom still to be like, you know what, I'm buying this off Amazon and I'm not checking. (laughs) Or like I'm going out for dinner. Mm -hmm. So that's really helpful. So we have separate accounts for that and then everything else is joined. And that's what works for us. I love that. That's really great advice. Allie, do you have any, we're, we're very much in this age of like entrepreneurship and people are starting their own companies. Do you have any tips for someone who is starting like maybe a entrepreneurial endeavor, like how they can start that without totally going broke? Or let's say they're still in a salary job, but they want to leave that job or step back from that job. Do you have any tips for, for like a good kind of starting place for all of that? Yeah, because that's like literally what I did. <laughs> um, I think, you know, to get started there, especially from an online business perspective, there's so many with like cheap or low cost, like you don't need a million things to get started. The, you know, this day, of course, if you're trying to do like a brick and mortar store, like I don't really have I don't know much about that. So like can't help you there. <laughs> For us, my whole thing was like, I was nervous to invest in my business because we did have so many like big money goals. So I started to budget 
make in our budget for initial I need to make enough in my business to like at least cover the essentials like I always wanted to pay for my business with my business money and now that I can do that I don't feel bad spending on my business because everything's separate so like keeping your business and like personal finances separate from the as early as you can is so important because we're still hitting our personal goals and like still doing everything but like I I can spend on coaching programs or like courses or like paying for people like outsourcing things because it's not coming from our personal budget. It's like separate from the business. So keeping track of your business finances and stuff obviously is important from like tax purposes and all that fun stuff. But if you want to start it, I mean, even with finances, anything, you're going to always have have a re- with anything same thing with like paying off debt you're always going to make an excuse it's never the right time there's never going to be a perfect time where your life is like calm and amazing and everything's exactly as you plan like that doesn't exist yeah so just go for it really <laughs> no that's really great advice just out of curiosity in your program you're coaching like do do you create a budget for someone like a recommended budget or how does that work because i think although it takes you five minutes now i think the idea of making a budget feels like someone overwhelming I Mm -hmm. guess I don't know yeah totally and like this is where I'm at now so things I do now like this is not where I started and that you know I'm obviously open about that like this isn't you don't just like come out like knowing how to do all this it's something that you've never been taught so it takes a lot of time to learn and it's gonna take trial and error there's gonna be months that just suck even for me now there's months where I'm like oh crap didn't think about that you know it just happens to everyone so you know that's common for my group program I actually have a whole module on budgeting you there's a video module where I like walk you through budgeting tips you get an excel you know you get a google sheet file that like I have a training on to like help you fill it out I pretty much provide you with what I do but like walk you through it in the group program there's like coaching calls so if you're like hey I filled this out can you like look at it or you know I need help like that's what those calls are for and then one-on-one with my private clients I obviously help them get everything set up but I do try to make sure it's like broken down and hey this is exactly what you need to do because it is overwhelming in the beginning yeah yeah that's amazing that's so helpful I think we all could use a little extra help like that so I'm sure people are going to be flat talking to you, Allie, because what you do is so incredible. We just have two little more questions for you before you go. You've been so amazing. amazing. I've learned so much. Like I've literally learned so much. And I'm inspired. And I'm inspired. I'm inspired to save better. I really am. So I hope other people are as well. And you'll have to come back, Allie, because we need to dive deeper into so many of these things. Send me any questions. Oh, yes. <laughs> we absolutely will. If you could tell early 20s Allie a piece of advice about finances or saving or spending, what would it be? I would say that the earlier, when we kind of talked about it a little bit, like the earlier you save, the better off you'll be and like you'll have so much more flexibility because being, it's like, it's money, how I always view it and how I want clients to view it is like money is a tool that gives you opportunities. And so I don't, it doesn't necessarily matter how much money you make or what you, you know, the dollar amount, but it's the opportunities and freedoms it provides you. And that's why money is so important. Like for example, our dog, she passed away, but before we had like $6,000 of vet bills and we were fine. Like I told the vet that I want to make a decision what's best for her, not based on how much we can afford. And that's 
why money is so important is because it allows you to make decisions and take money like out of the equation. Of course, you're not going to just like not going to go buy like a yacht and like put on, you know, I don't can't afford it. (laughs) But certain decisions I don't have to make based on like how much money do I have? Like I was able, we were able to give treatment that she needed and continue to do it. And I would have done it for longer if not do it based on like, we can't afford these bills. And so I think to remind myself is like, like you said, it's not really sacrificing, it's investing in your future and giving you these opportunities is so in their like, you know, early 20s is you might, but it's so worth it in the end to be able to even choose a job you actually like versus or you know, going on a trip with your parents as they're aging or whatever, and not work like not worrying about the cost or like doing all these things. That's why money is important. It's not to like show off all your stuff or like do all this, but it allows you these opportunities and experiences. And that's why the earlier you like figure this out, the better. Yeah, absolutely. That's really great advice. It is. And Allie, you have been incredible as we mentioned, but our last question for you is where can people find you and financially focused, whether it's Instagram website, how can they connect with you in general or work with you? We need you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm on Instagram, super active on there. It's financially like F-I-N-A-N-C-I-A-L-L-I, like financially, but focused. I also have a website. I have free resources. I have blog posts, informations there for my group program. Applications are open for that. So those are kind of the main ways to like find me, like send me a DM, send me an email. Like I love hearing from people and what, you know, they're struggling with or what they've learned or like takeaways and all that. So definitely reach out. Amazing. And Allie does post so many awesome tips and tricks on her Instagram. I'm constantly learning from it. So it's a really (laughs) great resource to follow if even if you just want to get started. Allie, thank you so, so, so much. You were absolutely incredible. And I know everybody learned something. 100%. Us included. (laughs) Thank you, Allie. Thank you. Of course. Goodbye, everybody. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode with Allie from Financially Focused. If you're interested in working with Allie for her Flourish Financially program, which is her group program, you can sign up for that on financiallyfocused.com. Mention Roaring Twenties podcast in your application. Applications are open right now, so go ahead and get your finances in order. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Bye. Thanks for listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Be sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and please subscribe. You're never alone. Our pride sticks together. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Roaring Twenties Podcast. You get to start your week with us and end your week with us. With With love, Brenda and Julia. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.